Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. Fear and anxiety will be there. It's how you respond to it that matters. Networking is all about value exchange. So you need to give and also be willing to receive as well. This week's DBT skill is the dear man skill. When we enter an interaction, we have three options. We can prioritize the relationship, we can prioritize our objective, or we can prioritize our self-respect. In instances when you want to prioritize your objective, this is the skill you'll use. Dear Man is an acronym that stands for Describe, Express, Assert, Reinforce, Be Mindful, Appear Confident, and Negotiate. So walking you through a quick example, if I'm advocating to a teacher at school for an extension on a project, I would describe the situation. The project you assigned is due tomorrow. I'm completely aware of this and understand that you set the deadline far in advance. Then we express. I've been really overwhelmed and stressed out with things going on at home. I've been struggling to keep on track with my assignments and work at school. Then we're going to assert, what do you want from this situation? Is it possible to get a two-day extension to finish up this project so I'm submitting the best work possible and putting my all into this assignment? Now you're going to reinforce what's in it for the teacher. For this instance, what would be in it for them is they're getting the best version of your work. Maybe that means that they could share it with another class as an example. It'll be more interesting for them to read and kind of understand. So saying, I really want to give you my best work possible so it's enjoyable for you to consume on your end and possibly use as a resource going forward in the next couple of years. Be mindful if this is an in-person interaction, what's their body language, what's their tone of voice like, facial expressions, if this is via email, what language are they using, what emotions are being expressed. You're going to appear confident, not over-apologizing, not being super defensive, instead clearly communicating what you're hoping for in this situation, and negotiate. If the teacher says back, I'm really hoping to get these assignments graded by tomorrow so I don't have a ton of work over the weekend, say, I completely understand would it be possible to have a one-day or 12-hour extension. So kind of meeting them where they're at. So I hope that helps. And this skill is one of the most useful skills in the DBT handbook. It can be used in any situation. A lot of people use it already without realizing it because it's a great skill to have in your pocket, whether you're a student, an employee, whatever it is. The Dear Man skill just outlines it in an extremely accessible, clear way that you can do effectively and advocate for your objective without fail. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode. You might notice that my voice sounds a little bit weird. I actually got my wisdom teeth out yesterday. The dedication is real, but we're going to keep this intro nice and short. Today, I'm sitting down with Ray Fung, a speaking coach based in Singapore. She's been an MC and on-screen host for seven years and has mastered the art of connecting on stage, online, and on one-to-one settings to people from all walks of life. She uses her expertise to coach and train on topics such as public speaking, networking, and personal branding. So if you've ever struggled with having confidence as a speaker, having stage fright at school, at work, whatever it is, this episode is for you. And so many amazing tangible tips, takeaways, all of that for anyone that struggles with anxiety, with finding your voice, connecting with others, networking, you name it, it is in this episode. So we're also going to skip the questions of the week because my mouth hurts. But without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Thank you so much for joining me on She Persisted today. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. So tell me a little bit about you. Tell listeners a bit about your story and how you got into public speaking and, and teaching others how to how to speak in public. Okay. My name is Ray. I'm a speaking coach based in Singapore. But of course, I do have global coaches, coaches and clients. Right now, I coach people how to use their voice powerfully, how to embrace their unique voice so that they never compare themselves with others and they speak up with confidence and how I started going into public speaking that that's a really interesting question because I think it was 10 years ago I've always wanted to be an actress Mm -hmm. but it never happened (laughs) so (laughs) I I went into drama club in my school auditioned three times and I failed all those three times. Oh my goodness. It's secondary school. Okay, I don't know. It's not even <laughs> like some sort of, you know, whatever. What role is it? What were you trying out for? Was this like no, a it's just to character? enter the club. It's just to enter the club. That's <laughs> all I wanted. Okay. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> so because of that, they put me into community service club. Okay. So I became president of that club. And I found that I really love working with people. So Community Service Club, I actually managed to um, help elderly, young people, give free tuition, you know, serve the community in my area over there. And we started working with a local community service center. And they wanted someone to be the host of their events, okay, to volunteer to be the host of their events, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. the community service events, family carnivals, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, hey, it's going to be good for my portfolio. Why not? So I was like 15, <laughs> 15 at that point of time. So I was like, yeah, why not? Good for portfolio. So I did it at one time. It was so scary, but less scary because I wasn't paid. You know, sometimes if you're not paid, the, the fear is not that bad. Less pressure. Yeah. yeah less pressure. Like, okay, I'm volunteering. It's just a volunteering thing. And that was when I started public speaking. That was when I started hosting. And I never stopped from there. So it's been seven years. I've uh, been hosting for seven years. And I think this just shows one thing, right? Like if the universe is not letting you get a particular opportunity, it could be a sign. (laughs) It could be saying that is not your path. Another path is there for you. Mm -hmm. Because if I got into drama club, I may not be coaching. Yeah, I may not be coaching. may not be speaking. So that's what I do now. And the reason why... I always talk about owning your unique voice. So my signature program is how to own your unique voice speaking transformation program. It's because growing up, I've I've compared myself with others all the time. So in school, it was comparing myself with others in terms of looks. So there was one period of time that I hated how I looked so much that when I went to the toilet, I didn't want to look in the mirror. And when I showered, I didn't want to look down on my body because I just didn't want to see, like I thought that I looked fat, all that kind of stuff. I just didn't want to see how I look. Yeah. And, you know, in university, it was comparing with others in terms of my grades and in terms of my talents or lack of talent. You know, that was what I thought in my mind. And only when I looked inward, and found my unique voice which includes my inner voice and my physical voice inner voice my unique Mm -hmm. thoughts opinions talents strengths passions interests and physical voice my unique 
uh, vibe, my personality, like natural humor, did I slowly, slowly stop comparing myself with others as much because I saw myself as unique. Like there's no other person, whoever that's listening right now, right? There's only one of you. So if you finally realize there's only one of you and there's no reason for comparison, then you start to see life clearer. It's like this weird change where you start to see like life is in the palm of your hands. So that's why mm-hmm. um, right now I'm a speaking coach it. and I, I coach others how yeah. to find a unique voice and then use it in networking, personal branding, public speaking, presentation skills, uh, speaking on camera, etc. So that's I love it. Sorry. So before we dive into all of that amazingness with kind of conquering anxiety or stage fright to get better at public speaking and being in front of individuals and sharing your story, I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit what you were just talking about with your unique voice and finding both your inner and your physical voice. That's so interesting. And I was wondering what your your tips and tricks are for individuals to kind of find that because of course my inner voice won't be the exact same as yours. It'll be really different. So what are your tips to um, help an individual find and identify their own? inner voice so now i'm going to share a little bit about how to identify your unique inner voice so we have an inner voice Mm -hmm. and we have a physical voice of course physical voice is more of like your tonality your accent etc that one you just got to practice and speak up a bit more so that you figure it out and friends will actually say hey you're quite a funny person (laughs) or like you're so hilarious you know then maybe your physical Mm -hmm. unique voice is your natural sense of humor like a dad joke sense of humor or if let's say your voice sounds like it can this is for the physical voice part if let's say your voice sounds like it can be made into a meditation app okay or (laughs) you're very good with holding space you have a very nice Mm -hmm. voice that allows you to hold space for people and only certain people have that like there's some people who are so comical and hilarious they just don't have that safe space voice so (laughs) You know, when you talk to people more, they give you their opinions on like, hey, you know, I think you're this, I think you're that. Of course, you put it through a filter. Different people have different opinions. That's how you find your physical voice. But most importantly, I'm going to talk about the inner voice. Because what I've realized is that the inner voice is so much more important because without discovering and having clarity of your inner voice, you may not use your physical voice with power. Okay. And the reason why finding your inner voice is so important is because if you don't do that, you will start conforming to people. You'll start trying to please others. And I'll just give a short example before I go into how, the actual steps and how. When I entered the entrepreneurship and personal development space three to four years ago, it was a very competitive space. And even when I went into university and, and many of the listeners over here would, would definitely be going to a new environment, a new school, whether it's college or university or a new job. And I look even back to school yeah, after after COVID. Correct. Mm-hmm. Even back to school after COVID. And I looked at everybody around me and I just thought, why is like why are my friends that are so young, like just twenty plus, my age, why are they like they sound so much smarter. You know, some of them, they are already into investing, stocks, shares. They are in like, they are acting on screen. They're doing this, they're doing that. And I felt so mm-hmm. small. And I felt like my voice didn't matter at all. I felt that 
I, I just wasn't as good in terms of general knowledge or in terms of stocks and shares or in terms of, you know, industry knowledge or knowing about the world. Mm-hmm. And I tried to join into conversations like for stocks and shares and, and general knowledge, etc. But I felt so out of place. Yeah. Right? Has it ever happened to you before? Oh, totally. Anyone tries to have like a conversation about like, like basic politics. Sure, I could maybe carry a conversation, but get into anything that's like within the past 12 hours, like different like senators running. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can add nothing to this conversation. I'm sorry. I just don't get what's happening right now. Like totally same experience where I'm like, I don't know like what to do here. It's just like you feel like there's no value that you can add. Exactly. You kind of feel like, oh no, am I supposed to know about this? Especially when everybody knows and talks. And you're like, okay, I feel so out of place. But Mm -hmm. this is the difference here, right? And it's so, by the way, you can't know everything in the world. If you're clear of what your inner, your unique inner voice is, what you do is you won't take it personally. You will know that this is not your expertise. This is not your niche. This is not your area of interest. And you just say, yeah, I mean, I've honestly, I haven't read about this, but I'm happy to hear more. You won't feel like you yeah. need to contribute anything or, or have to please people and show people that you know what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. what I did last time was I tried to join the conversation because I felt like if I didn't, it showed that I wasn't smart enough or it showed that I was just not well read. Which by the way, Listeners, if you if you are listening this right now, that is so not true. All of us, all of you, you have your unique interests, you have your unique passions, and there will be at least one thing that you're so passionate about. Like, look at Sadie over here, right? She has a whole entire podcast about mental health <laughs> and everything. So, how to find your unique inner voice? Okay, this one tip, and you just need to know this one tip. Okay, that you can actually practice right now today. Every single piece of content that you consume, whether it's on the news, whether it is motivational quotes or whatever things that you're looking on Instagram, books, anything that you consume, any type of content that you consume, even podcasts, ask mm-hmm. yourself this question. What do I think about this? What are my thoughts about this? Don't just take don't just take the content and put it into your brain just as it is. Ask yourself, mm-hmm. do I have an opinion about this? Do I have an opinion about this story, opinion about this statement? Do I have an opinion about this Instagram post or this podcast? And there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong opinion. But when you ask yourself this question, you put yourself in a habit, you, you adopt the habit of not just conforming into other people's opinions and stories but actually forming your own unique opinion about everything and when you do that you start to find that you discover your unique thoughts perspectives opinions interests and passions that's I love it it's Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's critically consuming content so that you can kind of come into your authentic self and be able to portray that to others. And it's such a powerful tool. And even just from 
a perspective of someone who's like interacting with with people i think regardless of what their their level of expertise is on a subject someone that sticks to their guns and is authentic and like i don't really know anything about this like that is so much more from my perspective appealing and admirable that they're willing to to accept if it's a weakness or if it's a strength and be themselves rather than again conforming to what everyone else is doing and having your own opinions is is what makes us unique and amazing and different and so i love that so much spot on Sadie and if <laughs> if the people around you keeps talking about something that makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you feel super super out of place then kindly ask them to change the subject and yeah for example if they're talking about a movie that you don't know about I mean movies you can totally change the subject you know, but sometimes mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to share that, you know, I know nothing about this movie or they could be gossiping about someone. If you don't know about the mm-hmm. person, you will completely feel out of place and you may even feel like you're not part of the gang or you're not part of the clique. So I think that if they're really good friends, just ask, hey, I don't really know about this topic. Can we talk about something else? Yeah. Or be like, what about this movie? Have you seen this one recently? And and friends that are in tune with your your thoughts and your emotions and are aware of what's going on will read that signal and read the room and be like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that movie and, and be receptive to that. So it's it's a great way to also reflect on your relationships and those people around you and see if they're also living in the values that are important to you. Exactly. This week's episode is brought to you by Sakara. You guys know how much I'm stressing the importance of good sleep, good nutrition, getting outside, staying active, because when we don't take care of our physical health, our mental health truly suffers as well. I know that my emotional vulnerability is off the charts when I'm not taking care of my physical health. I can't be productive. My relationships struggle and everything just becomes a mess. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and they're designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their meals are delivered all around the U.S., ready to eat, at your door, and you are good to go. They also have some amazing wellness essentials, like one of my favorites, their sleep tea, which you know I love a good cup of tea before bed to keep my sleep hygiene in check. They also have things like beauty chocolates, like chocolate that you eat to help your skin, like literally mind blown. So many different supplements, teas, powders, granola, all of that kind of stuff. To get your hands on their amazing products, you can go to Saqqara.com and use code XOSADIE at checkout for 20% off. Again, that's Saqqara.com. Use code XOSADIE at checkout for 20% off your first order. So diving into kind of conquering that that stage right now that you're able to put together this unique voice and this unique inner voice that contributes to your your physical voice talking about how to build your confidence improve your kind of speaking skills because i think that's something that brings so much anxiety to so many people especially in high school like i know everyone dreads the day when it's like presentations in front of the class or like any like language presentation i was always like oh my god i'm so scared like i could be doing podcasts all weekend and then i'd go to school and be like i don't want to do this like spanish presentation in front of everyone so it's just such a universal experience and i think something that lots of people look for advice on and could really use support on so kind of going to you as the expert what are what are your tips and tricks for that Okay, I will first ask you a question, okay, Sadie. So you have, have you experienced fear of speaking? Totally, yes. What is that one incident, recent incident that you have experienced that fear? Yeah, I think it's not as bad on Zoom school for sure. I feel like it's definitely a different 
different kind of experience to just unmute. But I think going up to the front of the classroom and being the only one presenting on something or speaking on something for kind of an extended period of time rather than just kind of adding a little input here and there. But any kind of class presentation where you're in front of everyone, everyone's just silent giving you the floor. And I think especially in that setting is one where I'm more uncomfortable. Whereas if I'm talking about mental health, I could go for hours mm. and talk and talk and talk. But if I'm present presenting on something where I'm a little bit outside of my comfort zone, that's definitely something that brings anxiety and fear and definitely have a lack of confidence in that situation. Okay, so why do you have that fear? Like, Think about it. What was yeah. going through your mind at the point of time? What were the thoughts that were in your head when you had that fear? Mm -hmm. Totally fear of messing up, like saying something wrong or saying something I didn't mean. But falling over, walking up to the front of the classroom and just like face planning, that would be disastrous. I think not having my true thoughts or feelings come across the way I wanted, want them to and being misunderstood. I think fear of like rejection and ridicule, ridicule, whether that's people like laughing or like not agreeing, that kind of a thing, especially in, in the school setting is something that also brings up anxiety as well. Okay, so fear of judgment, fear of failure, fear of accidentally plopping on the ground. Okay, that would be unfortunate. <laughs> so Fear of actually plopping on the ground, fear of failure, fear of judgment. Is there a deeper fear or would you say that is that is that or is there a deeper fear? I think that all of those would kind of just tie to like rejection and just not being accepted, whether it's through failure or falling on the ground or or being judged. It would it would be being rejected and not accepted and and not being deemed good enough. Perfect. Okay, so if I were to ask you this, let's say, let's imagine that the worst possible scenario happened and you did get rejected, like you failed, you, you mm -hmm. didn't do your presentation perfectly, people and looked then I at fell you, on the floor. yeah, you fell on the floor. <laughs> what do you think your um, classmates will react? Would they laugh at you or would they just probably go like, oops? You know, it's interesting. I think the fear is the fear is them laughing and making a joke out of it and me never living it down. But in reality, that wouldn't happen. I know people would have a lot more compassion and be like, oh, my goodness, like, are you OK? Whatever. And it would be like more of an internally shameful situation mm -hmm. than really what's externally going on. So there's a fear. But when I think about what actually would happen, no one would be laughing or making a whole thing out of it. It would really just more be concern or are you okay? What's going on? Like, like that kind of thing. But even if, even if the whole class laughed at you, do you think you'll be able to deal with it as a person? Or would that yeah. be like, I'm dying, that's it? No, I would definitely, it would be embarrassing in the moment, lots of shame. I'd probably do one of those things where you go 30 years down the line and you think of that and you're like, oh God, that was embarrassing. But I would be able to move on. I'd get on with living my life and I would cringe every time I thought about it, but I, I would be able to continue navigating other more challenging situations and I don't think it would completely hold me back. Perfect. So we just had a perfect example on how to befriend fear. How do you treat fear like a friend? So there are two ways to, in a sense, control the anxiety and fear. Because fear and anxiety will be there. It's how you respond to it that matters. There's the mindset way and there's the physical portion, which I'll share some tips and tricks how to get rid of anxiety physically. But in terms of mindset, mm -hmm. what I did with Sadie is just asking questions. And I asked myself those questions as well. Because many a times the fear in our heads 
is a story that we tell our mind. And that story is so dramatized. It's like we're playing a 10 times dramatic movie, Hollywood movie in our brain mm-hmm. that will not happen in real life because people are not that evil. <laughs> and if they are, then they're not worth it to be friends anyway. So some questions you can ask yourselves are ask yourself is what are my thoughts that are going through my mind at this very moment that I am fearful? What's my inherent fear? So there usually is a root cause of fear. So plopping down on the floor, blah 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 blah. The inherent fear is usually fear of judgment, um, fear of rejection, and fear of failure. Okay, and then Another question you could ask yourself, question number two is, are the thoughts in my head, is it just a story that I'm telling myself? Is it just a feeling? Or are these thoughts facts? Like, is it true Mm -hmm. that people will reject me? Is it true that people will boo and jeer at me? And usually, it's not the case. It's just something that we told us. And if the worst possible scenario happens, can you deal with that scenario? Do you think you can recover from it? Will you have friends that can support you to recover from that mini trauma that you had? Yes? Mm-hmm. Then hey, you know, what's the worst that could happen? So usually these questions And even if help. you have to go into hiding for 10 years and forget about it and meet all new people, you would still survive it. It would be okay. <laughs> exactly, right? So those are the questions that you could use, okay? That being said, sometimes... Fear of public speaking could have a deeper, 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 deeper inherent fear and could be due to a past childhood trauma. So if that's the case, then I would suggest, you know, depending on how serious it is, you need to, you know, seek some support. For me, I do do a little bit of coaching with my clients specific to that trauma aspect because I'm not... I'm not like a trauma expert, obviously, but depending Mm -hmm. how deep-seated that trauma is, you can still heal it. And, and you can still like, you know, deal with it with a coach. But of course, if it's more serious, then, you know, definitely go and seek support. But what I mean by childhood trauma is, for example, maybe your parents shut you down when you wanted to speak up when you were younger. And that memory, like maybe they said like, shut up because they were angry at that point of time or they were so busy at work and they did not mean it. But when they said it, mm-hmm. in your mind as a child, you ingrained in your memory that, if I speak up, I'll get shut down. So unfortunately, that memory may be ingrained in your mind. And even now as a, as a teen or as an adult, you start responding in a way that when someone asks you to speak up, you, sh- you don't want to speak because you're afraid of getting shut down. Yeah. Do you feel like that, that you know anybody that, that, that may happen? Totally. I've met tons of people where that's an experience or even in different like social relationships, if they have one friend that that's a little bit more like commandeering of a conversation or will just minimize their opinion or perspective, you really do get into that habit and that cycle of being like, okay, well, my perspective doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference yeah. and and you just don't voice it. So totally a very common experience. 100%. And if it's a childhood trauma, you, you have to heal it. So you have to go back in time to heal that situation and ask yourself, put yourself in your mom's or your dad's perspective and ask yourself, like, as my mom and as my dad, did I really want to hurt my own feelings back then or were they really, really, really busy with work? You don't forgive. Mm-hmm. You may not, like, forgive them for doing that particular thing, but at least seek to understand from their perspective. And if, let's say, the reason why you fear speaking up is because your current community or your current friends are cutting you off or shutting you down, even if it's something so small as minimizing your opinion in a conversation, 
it might be a very huge thing to you and you need to take that seriously. It might be, I mean, come on, it's just a conversation about movies, like something small. But to you, mm-hmm. it could be like, why are you shutting down my opinion? And why am I not given a space to speak? I feel small. I feel like I'm not part of this clique. Voice those mm-hmm. feelings or change those friends. I'm sorry, but you have to do that because if you don't, you're going to forever live with that fear because yeah. the people around you are not allowing you to speak up. And it's either you change your friends, you change your community, you tell them, or you, 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 know, you seek their opinion and their understanding, or you're going to live in that fear forever. So I think mm-hmm. it's, in summary, it's really finding the root cause of the fear and dealing with the root cause. That's for the mindset portion. Okay, I do have a worksheet for this. I will, you know, uh, ask Sadie to link it in, in the post yeah. whatsoever because I think it's very helpful because I have a bi-weekly newsletter where I churn out these worksheets for people to use. So I can send you the link for that so that you can use that worksheet to befriend fear and the questions inside to befriend your fear. In terms of physically, how can you get rid of anxiety and fear in the short term? Well, one helpful tip is to research the place that you'll be speaking in. So if let's say it's a classroom, you already know how the classroom looks like, great. But if it's a new environment, go and Google the image, know how the space is. Make Mm -hmm. sure that you're very familiar with the location, the people that you're speaking to, you know who you're speaking to. Why that's important Mm -hmm. is because many a times we are fearful because we're not prepared or we feel like we're in an unfamiliar environment and your brain just panics. So when you make the environment familiar to you, then you won't panic as much because you're like, hey, I know where I'm at. I know the space. I know the exact spot I'm in. I know that I'll see 30 people here. I know that 30 people will be my um, classmates. Okay, I'm good. So just be so prepared that you cannot be afraid that you will screw up, okay? And once you're so prepared, tell yourself that you release any expectation of the outcome. You have already done all you could. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Make the place your presenting in familiar the second thing would be that you have to control the energy in your body because anxiety is like energy so what you could do is to do jump um, star jumps <laughs> jump around mm-hmm. fill your hands around walk around and do some squats so that you get rid of that mm-hmm. nervous energy okay so that's the second thing mm-hmm. you can do the third thing that you have to do is right before your presentation do not look at your script Okay. Do you look at your script before your presentation? It, you know, it's been so long since I've <laughs> presented on on something. Like I do, obviously, lots of lots of podcast things, and I'll speak about the podcast and other um, situations. But ever since I started, I've really kind of gone away from like pre prepared scripts or intros or questions because I just like it to to flow naturally. So I can speak from experience that I found that to be effective. But beforehand, definitely when I was at school and I was going to present something, I'd be like going back over all my lines and figuring everything out. So definitely used to be a crutch that I would lean on a lot. Yeah. So you got to slowly wean away from the crutch. Please ask Sadie for advice on how to do that. <laughs> Usually if you're speaking <laughs> about something you love, you may not need a script as much. But uh, try, I mean, I have techniques on how to help people to you know, slowly not use the script as a crutch. It's very important because when you are dependent on your script, you will naturally feel anxious because you feel like you need to memorize every single word. 
But when you mm -hmm. understand the content instead of memorize the script, then you know that the content is in your head and you won't be so worried about making every single word perfect, but just delivering the content across. So that's the third thing. There's so many more, but you know what? I'll just give the last one. The fourth thing is do your best to focus on your audience and ask yourself, what is the message that my audience needs to hear today? Or what is the mm -hmm. objective of the presentation if it's a school's presentation? And that's it. Focus on the audience. Forget yourself. When you focus on the audience, you slowly it. forget yourself and you will not mm -hmm. think about your fear and anxiety anymore. So those are... Totally. This week's episode is sponsored by Teen Counseling. I cannot tell you guys how many DMs, texts, emails I get from teens, parents, even friends asking, how can I find a therapist? How can I enroll in therapy? How can I find a therapist for my teen? How do I tell my parents I want to go to therapy? That's why I'm partnering with Teen Counseling. Teen Counseling is an online therapy program with over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network. They offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, and more, and it's all targeted at teens. They offer text, talk, and video counseling. So no matter what level of support you're looking for, they got you. You're going to go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. You'll fill out a quick survey about what your goals are for therapy, whether that's improving your mental health during the pandemic, working on your relationship with your parents, improving self-esteem, whatever it is, they'll match you with therapists that fit your needs. You'll enter your information and your parents' information. Your parents will get a super discreet email saying your child is interested in working with a licensed therapist at teencounseling.com. They head to the website, learn a little bit more about the program and a preview to work with a therapist. And from there, you can meet that therapist on a frequency that works for you. This is a great way to dip your toe into the therapy world and get support when you need it without having to go into an office, meet with a therapist, meet with a stranger and go through all of that for the first time. So you can go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. Again, that's teencounseling.com slash she persisted to get started today. So I have to... I have to ask you, I feel like one of the age-old speaking tips that I, I was always told, I always heard it being said, was to imagine that your audience is in their underwear. Is this something that you recommend? I've never done it, even though it's kind of funny. If it helps, I've mm -hmm. never done it before because it's so hard to imagine I people like, in their underwear. I think I'll laugh. Right? No, the, like the only way I've ever been able to imagine this situation is like, I think it was because it comes from when I was so young and it's like an entire like cartoon audience, like wearing like giant white like boxers. Like I don't, couldn't even like, it would take so much mental energy to like put this picture together that I would like be so distracted from the content I was supposed to be putting yeah. together. Yeah. Just such a mess. Don't do it. I would suggest don't do it because <laughs> you don't want to forget your audience. You want to connect mm -hmm. with them. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you need to connect yeah, with them. Totally. So please don't do it. Connect with your audience. Don't forget <laughs> them because the audience has to be there. Speak as if the mm -hmm. audience is there, yes. not as if they're not there. Totally. So kind of continuing this theme of connecting, let's talk networking and tips for that. I think that's another thing, especially as you're kind of getting out of high school and nearing the end of your years there. It's something people are always talking about. Network, network, network. What's your, all that kind of stuff. And I know for me, that brings a lot of anxiety. And especially when we get back to more in-person events, having to go and interact and just this idea of networking, there's so much pressure. So kind of what are your tips and tricks for, for networking with other individuals, do's and don'ts, kind of your, your advice for navigating that process? Oh, I love, 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 love the topic of networking. I used to be so afraid to talk to people. Trust me, this is true. Like I would walk into a room 
And if everybody knew each other, I'll just sit at the corner and go like, okay, I'm just going to take this little space over here. Ignore me. <laughs> oh, I hope nobody sees. <laughs> but I have to tell you that networking is one of the most amazing art forms I've ever learned. <laughs> it sounds so <laughs> funny to say art forms. But when you truly master the art of networking, you really see the world in your hands because look at this. How many people do you know in your contact list, Sadie? Like maybe not um, everybody. It's not like Facebook friends because there's so many, right? Not like Instagram followers. There's like a thousand yeah. plus, but more of like people that you actually physically know and you would talk to at least once in six months. At least a couple hundred would be my guess. If like over email, in person, on the phone, like kind of probably at least a hundred, at least hundred, a few hundred. Okay, a few hundred. Okay, so within these few hundred people, do you have an inkling and you kind of know them and their professions, like you know their interests ish a little bit, like familiar? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So Sadie and I connect, and I know a few hundred, a few couple of hundred people where I'm at least clear on what they're doing now, where their interests lie, etc. Then mm-hmm. and Sadie and I connect, and we both, you know, know each other. I know what she's doing with, you know, the amazing things she's doing right now. She's, you know, in university as well. Uh, and for me, she knows what I'm doing. I'm a speaking coach, and we both know what we need. In life to succeed. I mean, we both know the opportunities that we're looking for. Technically, we have both just doubled our connections. Okay, yeah. why do I say so? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's like sharing clothes <laughs> with your sister. Does anybody mm-hmm. share clothes? Mm-hmm. Like, if your sister has oh, 10, yeah. yeah, like 10 pieces, 10 mm-hmm. pieces of clothes, mm-hmm. and both of you share clothes, both of you have 20 clothes now. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. as connections, right? But only if we do it right. Okay, and this is how we do it. So, firstly, just three quick principles of networking. I do have ten, but I'm just gonna share three. <laughs> so it sounds good. <laughs> three important principles you have to keep in mind. Okay, number one, networking is like sowing a variety of seeds. They mm-hmm. take time to germinate. They take time to bloom, and you won't know which. Will be harvested first, and which will be harvested maybe ten years from now. So choose the right mm-hmm. seeds, choose the right people to invest in, choose the right people to put your time into, people with the right values, mm-hmm. similar values as you, and be patient and have faith. Okay, make friends, make have relationships, build connections, but they may not bear you results. Immediately, yeah. So I think that's important to take note of because you don't see networking as just like a, okay, I meet you today. Hopefully, in twenty days, you get me a job. Like, unfortunately, that's not it, <laughs> and that's also extremely transactional. Mm-hmm. So I don't see networking that way. Mm-hmm. Number two, don't aim for more networks. Aim for quality networks. It's better to have okay. less people that you know, but they are quality, and they. Are nice people. I mean, they're people that share your values, and they're people who are mm-hmm. can support you towards your your growth and your goals, as opposed to knowing like so many people and they're just random people. Mm-hmm. And number three, this is the most important. Networking is all about value exchange, so you need to give and also be willing to receive as well. I think that many of us mm-hmm. have no issues wanting to give, but. Uh, one thing to receive, sorry. Uh, no, no. One thing to give, sorry. Mm-hmm. One thing to give. I think many of us we don't have a problem of giving, but we may 
find it hard to receive. And I see this especially for younger people. It's either we have mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, we feel like, I don't know if I, nah, it's okay, you don't need, I don't need help. Like, we feel like we can do things ourselves or we feel like um, we're afraid to ask for help or we're afraid to ask for support mm-hmm. or to be connected with someone. Do you feel like as a young person, like that's the case? Yeah, I think it's something nowadays is really common. I always think of people that don't want to accept compliments where you're like, oh, you look great today. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like that's totally a very stereotypical reaction that totally, totally fits that. Exactly. And we don't accept, we try not to accept compliments. We may not even accept help. Like maybe someone Mm -hmm. could just say, hey, you know, I could really put your resume on this person's desk that you want to. Uh, no, no. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. And I don't know why we do that. Maybe because we're afraid that we owe someone something. Or maybe because we think that we're not worthy of help. Whatever the inherent reason is, in order for you to give, you need to also receive. Because if everybody is giving in the world, who is going to be receiving? <laughs> they need yes, to be received. totally. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So just know that it's a value exchange. So those are the principles of networking. And, you know, with these principles, like, do you find any any one of them like resonates with you? I think it's very, I really liked what you said about networking not being transactional and about it being really authentic and fulfilling relationships. I think that's really, really important to remember. And I think it really, really speaks to that, that people are to find it hard to receive because if things were really transactional, then or they would be like, yeah, give me all of these connections or whatever. But when you're really building authentic relationships that, that you care about, and I think it's a good sign when you're kind of hesitant about receiving because you don't want to like use the person or something like that. And so I think it's it's a good flag to know as far as your relationship and also important to to know that if you're just as willing to give, you would love that person to receive that generosity from you and they probably feel the same way. Exactly. And how do you feel when you give? Do you feel happy, fulfilled? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So you got to let other person also feel happy and fulfilled by receiving. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So now I love it. practical tip. Okay. Of course, there's so many techniques to networking, but I'm just going to give one practical tip and this will probably mm-hmm. transform the way you look at networking and eliminate a lot of the fear that you have. Okay. So the okay. reason why most, most young people, especially for me back then, right, when, especially when I speak to older people or more experienced people, I fear networking is because I feel like I have nothing to contribute to the person. And I hate mm-hmm. feeling like I'm asking for advice from mentors, etc. And I have nothing to give. Simple solution. Mm-hmm. Find out what you have to give. Okay? So this is what you do. Yeah. In every conversation, two things need to happen. In every networking conversation, of course, if you just want to have a, have a chat with a friend, then maybe this doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't help. But if it's a networking conversation, two things have to happen. Number one, you will need to find out what are the pain points that person you're talking to has. What are the problems they're going through? What are the issues that they're having? More of like, are they looking for a job? Are they finding an internship or whatever? And find out how you can contribute to them. That's the first thing. The second thing that needs to happen is you need to make aware to them what you are looking for. 
Are you looking mm-hmm. for mentors? Are you looking for a job? Are you looking for opportunities in the acting space? Are you looking for other people to collaborate with in terms of mental health podcasts? Okay, what are you looking for? Just make known to them so that they know what you need because nobody is able to connect you with people if they don't know what you need. They need to know what you need. I love that. Yeah, and whether they connect you or not, it's up to them. But they need to know what you need. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, once that two things need to happen, now we need to find out how you can contribute. Okay? So, imagine if, you, if you're with a pen and paper right now, pick out a paper, draw a table. Okay? The table has two columns and three rows. Okay? Two columns and three rows. So there's six boxes. All right. So on the left side is the column called value to give. Value to give. On the right side, the column is called value to receive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So value has three types. And you can write it in the rows. Row one, row two, row three. So the first row, which is the first type of value, is experiences. The second type of value is connections. The third type of value is opportunities. So it's ECO from sh- for short, ECO. Okay? So value to give in terms of experiences as your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, your stories, things that you have. And even as a young person, we have a lot. I mean, look at Sadie over here. I cannot believe she's eating. You're eating now, right? <laughs> like, when I saw mm-hmm. your website, I was like, she started a podcast at 16. What was I doing at 16? <laughs> so, as you look at Sadie, definitely in terms of experience, podcasting, right? What tech to buy, how to make a podcast work, right? A lot of uh, more experienced people will need her advice if they're looking to go into podcasting. So, that's under experience, value to give. Connection, uh, value to receive, sorry. Under experiences, value to receive would be if let's say you want to receive experiences from mentors. Basically, what is the value in terms of experience that you want to receive? Connections would be mm-hmm. people. Value to give. As a young person, we can actually connect a lot of older entrepreneurs with maybe your friends who want to be interns. Okay, that's mm-hmm. an example. Value to receive in terms of connections could be you want to receive more mentors. Maybe the, you want to be connected with mentors in your space. You want to be connected with um, other people who are in your industry. And thirdly, in terms of value, in terms of opportunities, would be what kind of internships, gigs, clients that you can give and receive. So this sounds a little bit complicated because I just made you draw a table, but I have another worksheet for this. So I'll ask Sadie to... <laughs> Um, link it in the bio because I have a worksheet for this whole entire value to give and receive table. But awesome. the, the thing is, this is so important because this has helped me a lot when I put this in my little pocket and every time I have to meet someone, I take it out. Okay, what is my value to give and to receive? Okay, I can give this and I want to receive this. Okay, I can give this. Okay, great. So I know that I have something to contribute to someone and I will never feel mm-hmm. insecure that I have nothing to contribute. I love it amazing tip and and so useful in so many interactions regardless of of who you're having a back and forth with so just so helpful yay i hope that helps because (laughs) as young people as teens we have so much value to give we just don't see it see you know once i had coffee with this 50 plus year old speaker he's a Mm -hmm. top five percent speaker in 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 my country 
and I'm just thinking, what do I have to give? Nothing, right? But it's okay. Yeah. Let me just meet him because he's so willing to help and mentor me. So he mentored me for that session. And I did what I can. Firstly, he didn't know how to record an Instagram story. Mm-hmm. So I taught him. I taught him how to use the GIFs, the polls, how to press record, <laughs> how you can actually hands-free record so you don't have to click it the whole time, how to do a boomerang. I Guys, love it. teens, you know, you have so much to give. <laughs> you just, you need to see things from other people's perspective. And as older people, they actually need so much help with tech. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying that you have a lot, a lot, a lot to give. It's such a good point. And I so so useful in so many and so many interactions again just so many resources in this episode that are going to be so helpful for so many people so many tangible takeaways and and i love it such such a great resource thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me sadie i just hope that if anything if you just take away one thing is that your unique voice matters it matters Mm -hmm. the only you're the only person in the world you are listening to this right now you're the only person in the world with your unique challenges you've been through hardships you've been through culture family race religion experiences even if you're a twin Mm -hmm. you don't have the same breakup as your twin so if you see the value of your voice (laughs) you're gonna use it if only you (laughs) see the value of the voice as much as i see in you you will use your voice So please, please, please find your unique voice. Amazing. Where can people find you on Instagram, on social media? What are are your socials? Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Ray Matrix. So that's R-A-E-M-A-T-R-I-X. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, you can just search Ray Fung, R-A-E-F-U-N-G. And please subscribe to my digital newsletter, not because I need more subscribers, but because I really hope that more young people use the resource because the Mm -hmm. resources that I put on my digital newsletter are resources that I personally use. And I really hope that by using these resources, you can start finding your voice and using your voice. So in terms of the resources, I do templates, like actual DIY worksheets and questions you can use, not Mm -hmm. just reading, things you can use in terms of networking, speaking, finding your unique voice, presentation skills, how to plan for your presentation, how to brand yourself, how to find your unique voice in terms of the questions that you ask yourself. All these are in my DIY um, digital newsletter, and it's a Telegram channel. So all you need to do is to go to my Instagram and click the link in my bio and just click on the little box that says newsletter. Fill up the form and join the Telegram group and you will receive digital newsletters from me every two weeks. Amazing. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you, Sadie. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share with a friend, family member, or post about it on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss any future episodes and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next Friday.